0: Welcome to today's edition of the Baseball America College podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me as always is Joe Healy, and we are coming to you again from Omaha, where we are down to the final two teams in college baseball. Oklahoma and Ole Miss will play for the National Championship starting on Saturday. We are recording this on Friday, Joe, and uh, just uh it's been a great week of baseball here in Omaha. I guess we—it's been less than a week—we recorded that podcast on Monday, the last one. Uh, but since then, a couple more teams have gone home, and we are we are down to the final two. It is the same two that went two and zero to to open the 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 tournament here, Oklahoma and Ole Miss. Uh, they took two different routes after going two and zero. However, Oklahoma dispatched with AM uh in the 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 first championship games so they they go three and zero and advance to the the finals Ole Miss needed two games to get rid of Arkansas as Arkansas won a thriller three to two to force a, a rematch uh, for the bracket final uh, which Ole Miss won two to nothing behind an absolute gem from Dylan DeLuca who threw a, a four hit shutout uh, to send Ole Miss to the championship for the first time ever uh, Oklahoma back in the finals for the first time since 1994 so we got we got the final two teams it's been a long time coming but we are we are down to two here in Omaha
1: yeah and feels uh feels fitting I mean just the two teams that have have consistently played the best baseball here are are here in the final and as we sit uh it, it is strange uh to to think that like a week ago at this time, we'd still not played a single game in this thing. Um, now that would change here in a couple of hours. A week ago, but um, it, it's one of those deals where so much has happened that it's only it's only been a week, and part of that is the condensed condensed schedule, of course. Um, so I mean, so just part of it's
0: not though. Like you know, the I some some of it is, some of it isn't. But like they only took a, a day away from it. You know, the, the whole thing happens quite quickly. It always has, like, even quicker now, but it uh, yeah. always has happened a little fast.
1: Yeah, I think it's like, um, I think it's less about just the actual number of games and just more that the days are so weird out here. Like, I don't really know how to best put this, but it's just that, you know, the games happen early enough, like, with a one-in-six schedule. The games happen early enough with a one o'clock start that it's not like you have hours and hours before you, like, get up and you know before you leave for the ballpark and you're at the ballpark and so like the days just kind of are these you have these uncanny valley days where like the day just this is you know like the the entire day was at the park i'm not complaining i'm just saying like it makes it feel weird like (laughs) you don't exist outside of the ballpark while you're here sometimes and so um just having so many of those types of days back to back to back to back to back um really does kind of make you lose track of like where time and what day it is. And, um, you know, all of that, all of that kind of stuff. Anyway, long story short, uh, a lot, a lot of baseball packed in the last week and yes, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, the two teams that are two teams that have, have played the best, frankly. I mean, yes, Ole Miss took a loss to Arkansas, but ultimately that that's a team that's played really, really well while they've been here. So it, it, it feels fitting. It feels like the the quote unquote right matchup, um, Looking forward to it. I mean, obviously, we'll get into this, but, um, you know, having to play that extra game for Ole Miss could end up being a big deal. But otherwise, um, you know, you're going to get best on best here in Omaha with the teams that have, have at least looked the part so far.
0: I mean, it's kind of crazy that you're talking about best on best and I don't know, you said something else that just made me think like – yeah, they've been the best here. And you can make a very compelling argument that they've been the best throughout the entire NCAA tournament. Ole Miss hadn't lost a game in the tournament until Arkansas got them in that first bracket final. Um, Oklahoma has lost twice, but you know, neither one of these teams has played a home game throughout the whole thing, and they've had a very difficult path to get to this point, and they've handled it very, very well throughout the way. But you know, we're talking about um, in, in Ole Miss, one of the last four teams in the field. In Oklahoma, you're talking about a team that was under 500 last year that you and I both looked at in the first month of the season and thought, well, okay, they're, that's a fine team, but not a, like, oh, they like, hello. They're, that's an Omaha team, much less a, like, they're going to challenge for the national championship team. Um, so it, it certainly over the last week, to three weeks, these these have been the two best teams, but uh, it is is remarkable that, you know, not only do they not have a number next to their name because they weren't one of the 16-seeded teams, but they, uh, you know, if you picked a point any time in the first half of the season, there's no way you would have pegged Oklahoma to be playing for the national championship. And at one point, Ole Miss lost four straight SEC series they were 7 and 14 uh in the SEC on May 1st after losing the last of those series at Arkansas uh, which was a very close thing like they had the bases loaded in the ninth inning like they you know they they had the go ahead run in scoring position but still they were 7 and 14 and you know had to run off back to back sweeps to even put themselves back into to position to make the tournament so the fact that these are the teams that are standing just speaks to the broader like 2022 college baseball season as being as wide open as it was tennessee put a stranglehold on the number one spot for a long time but but other than them we said it plenty of times nothing nothing was guaranteed in college baseball like who were the best other teams and and you know as a result uh, you know, Tennessee doesn't even make it here, and and, and then it was very wide open, and, and as wide open as it gets, we get two teams that, you know, in April you wouldn't have
1: expected to be playing here. Yeah, that is one of the stories here for sure, is that it's a couple teams that there was plenty of reason to doubt at, at, at various points, um, and, and a little bit different too. I mean, with Ole Miss, I mean, their, I think their valley was Actually, I don't think I know. Their valley was lower than Oklahoma's. You know, there was a point where I don't know if it ever got that quite that dire because then they played Missouri and they just completely outclassed Missouri. But there was like a brief point, like going into that Missouri series, Ole Miss was looking at, hey, if for some reason we don't get a result here, like we might not go to Hoover. Um, and so that, you know, that very quickly changed because they did get a result against Mizzou. But that that's where they were. Oklahoma was just kind of more like we thought, this might be a bubble out team in the end. Um, was kind of the floor there, but but it is, I think, the lesson for oh, perhaps Oklahoma more than Ole Miss is the difference when you're talking about power conference teams that have that we know have talent on some level, right? Um, the difference between being just kind of like a eh, team that, like, yeah, depending on what day you catch them, and being an Omaha team, the difference there it can be pretty small because. I remember saying after seeing them in Houston, uh, Oklahoma, that is, that this team is going to give teams a lot of trouble on Fridays because you like what you see from Jake Bennett. I think the offense is good enough to to score enough runs to support a pitcher of Bennett's quality. So I think they're going to be really tough on Friday. What they do the rest of the weekend is going to be a little more of a question. And that was actually kind of true for large stretches of Oklahoma's season. but. As the season went on, you had, okay, David Sandlin, basically every other start you could bet on him giving you something pretty good, right? So it was kind of a coin flip situation. And now there's a completely different complexion to this team because Kate Horton is what he is, right? He gets healthy. He gets stretched out. Now he's, I mean, he's truly your two now for Oklahoma. And I'm not saying voila, that's all it took, but kind of, Right. So they get a guy healthy. The offense also Trevin
0: Michael, you know, early in the season, we didn't know that Trevin Michael was going to be one of the best relievers in the country.
1: Yeah. And I did, I think I ranked him on the hundred transfers, but like, yeah, I mean, but like he, well, he wasn't ranked in the top probably even 50. Um, Yeah. So like Trevin Michael becomes what he becomes. They turn, you know, some spots in the lineup over to freshmen, like, you know, Spikerman who, who got fully healthy and got back in Wallace Clark, um jackson nicholas they start turning more at bats over to those kids um, and i say kids just because they're freshmen so a few little things here and there and like suddenly oklahoma is a team playing for a national title and like that sounds like a lot and i guess it is but like not really those guys were on the roster you know this isn't pro baseball it's not like they made a mid-season trade um so i say all that to say like i think that is a lesson to take away is that there are a lot of teams that look like that in March. Like I like this aspect and this aspect, and I'm not quite sure about this and this. And it's very easy to kind of write off those teams because we, we look at those question marks and say, well, they're never going to get that figured out. The season is re- is relatively short. Um, and then sometimes they do figure it out. And in this case this was a, a, an Oklahoma team that solved a lot of those riddles that we saw with that team back in March. And, and here they are as a result. So the lesson for me is, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater if there are just certain aspects of a team you're waiting to come around. Because sure, maybe even a majority of those situations don't work out in a positive way necessarily. Those question marks continue to be question marks. But in some cases, as with the case of Oklahoma this year, like sometimes they do figure that stuff out.
0: Well, I I think it's interesting you say that about Oklahoma because similar things could be said about Ole Miss. You're Dylan DeLuca, who has been – you know, the unquestioned ace for the last two months, at least, Um, he didn't start the season in their rotation. He was a junior college transfer that, you know, they had some idea that he was going to be quite good, but he started the year in relief, didn't become a full-time starter until the middle of April. Uh, And that was, you know, a a really tough time for the Ole Miss pitching staff, as you might remember. Uh, Mike Bianco at some point in there told reporters in Oxford that, he was done with starting pitching as a concept that Ole Miss just had pitchers and they were going to pitch them as long as they, as long as they were effective. Um, that wound up being obviously a, a bit of hyperbole that, 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 uh, that, that phase of, of this Ole Miss team did not last very long. But part of that is because they found Dylan DeLuca as a starter and he, he took the, he took the opportunity and, and he ran with it all the way to Omaha, uh, where he You know, has been sensational. He he threw a a shutout. You know, in in this game, and he hasn't walked a batter. He's thrown sixteen point two innings in Omaha. Has yet to walk a batter. The only person uh, in the history of this event that can you know that has thrown that many innings in one season without walking a batter, or one that many innings in one College World Series without walking a batter, is some guy named Roger Clemens um so that's that's the company dylan delucha is keeping here in omaha now and hunter elliott was a freshman he was a ba 500 guy he was the headliner of the recruiting class but he also did not open the year in the rotation and he's become a number two uh he's been outstanding he's going to team usa this summer like those two guys have have come a long way and you know really finding them has been huge for this pitching staff and, and the same can be said for their bullpen. And this was a team that we loved coming into the season. This was a, a top 10 team. And we had a lot of questions about the pitching staff. Um, it just took them a little longer to answer them than anybody in Oxford certainly would have liked. but And, and also that, that we expected, but they found the answers. The talent was on the roster and eventually they they hit on the right combination of guys.
1: Yeah the the matchup, you know, you alluded to there Delucia throwing a, a four-hit shutout against Arkansas is, and Nolan on the other side like Arkansas got everything they could have asked for out of Connor Nolan, right? I mean it's gives up two runs and and both runs are not fluky. I don't I don't want to put it that way, but a couple ground balls that found holes basically. And you know, uh that's kind of the way it goes in, in those kind of tight pitching matchups, but he was he was everything that Arkansas could have asked him to be, and it just wasn't enough on the, on a day when delusia was was that good. And it's it's going to be it's going to be one of those Omaha pitching performances, especially if Ole Miss wins a national title. It's going to be one of those pitching performances that we talk about for a long time. It also was. You talk about weird games. Like, the time of game was, like, 2.06 or 2.16, or I don't have my score. It was under 2.10. It was, like, 2.08 or something. Okay. Yeah. two Yeah. So, I mean, just – I mean, after a CWS of a bunch of long – and they've been faster. The last two or three days have been actually, like, a lot better in terms of pace of play. But, um, but that game, it was just so well-pitched. And to the point where – look, I, I, I enjoyed it because it was a change of pace from what we've had but like it ended at like whatever 206 or 208 or whatever the number was. And there was kind of a feeling of like, huh, that that's it, huh? That's, <laughs> that's all we're, all we're doing today, I guess. Um, a game that was almost quite literally half as long as several others we've had here. Um, just, just incredible. But um, I don't know. I just don't know what else to say about it. I mean, just true true i mean it just felt it felt masterful on both sides frankly cuz I, I mean i wrote about the arkansas side of this game and nolan really only allowed two rallies and calling them rallies is kind of like eh they strung two or three hits together so he gave up runs in two individual innings of the eight in the six other innings he faced the minimum like that's what we're talking about the level of dominance from those two pitchers well
0: so let's um I guess let's address the the big the big thing that I'm sure a lot of folks are talking about now. And that is the fact that DeLucha did that against Arkansas, not against Oklahoma. And so because Oklahoma wrapped up in one game fewer to advance to the finals, they have their rotation set up the way they want it. Jake Bennett hasn't pitched since last Friday. They'll actually have an extra day's rest. Cade Horton pitched on Sunday. He will be on normal rest uh, when he takes the ball for game two. And David Sandlin pitched on Wednesday. So that is slightly shorter rest uh, when he pitches on Monday. But it'll be the same amount of rest that you saw from Noland and DeLucha. And, you know, as Mike Bianco said after the game, like, I mean, yeah, for college, it's short rest. But we're talking about, like, normal pro rest. So it, it's not really – it's not really short rest like it it is and it isn't um Ole Miss meanwhile we'll have Hunter Elliott on short-ish rest uh to to start this thing off and I guess he pitched on Sunday like he'll be on he'll be on short-ish rest relatively normal though and then after that they're just going to kind of have to figure it out um you know they they I'm sure DeLuca will want the ball at some point. I don't think he'll start Sunday. Maybe he'd start Monday if it came back around uh, and have something in the tank for them. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Ole Miss handles it. After the game yesterday, Mike Bianco said, you know, like Oklahoma is in a position to look at this like a normal weekend to address it however they want. Uh, we have to look at it more one game at a time because of, you know, not, not being able to start DeLuca. And I just don't know how big of a deal this is. Now, obviously, DeLucha has been amazing. You know, right now, you're looking at a potential most outstanding player candidate, and you're not going to have that guy in the finals. And Oklahoma does have not only their rotation rested, but Trevin Michael has been able to rest since Wednesday. And that's a really big deal. But the way Ole Miss is playing, I I just, I don't know. Like, they... A lot of what they've been able to do in the tournament has been because DeLucha and Elliot have been incredible, but I, I just, I don't know that, that Oklahoma being able to set up its rotation, like yes, Jake Bennett is, you know, an all American caliber pitcher and Kate Horton has been incredible over his last four starts, though he wasn't before. It's not like he's been doing this all year.
1: I, I don't know how, how big of a deal do you think that is, Joe? Yeah, I actually – I don't – I mean, I, you'd rather it have that advantage than not if you're Oklahoma, but I, I actually don't see it as a massive, massive advantage. You know, if if they were going to have to – if Ole Miss was going to have to turn around and, and throw Hunter Elliott on, you know, something – some crazy small amount of rest, I'd be a little, you know, more concerned. But as it is, it's going to be a, a more like a pro turn in the rotation. That's not 100% ideal, but um, it is it's not even that, is, right? I mean, he
0: pitched on Sunday, right? Or Monday. I guess Monday. I, I guess it is more
1: a pro turn, right? Yeah. So he, that was the 20th and he's going to throw on the 25th. So mm-hmm. it is, you know, uh, four days, uh, 21, 22, 23. Yeah. yeah. Four days rest. So um, it is a pro turn in the rotation, but to your point, like, I think once you get Bennett out of the way, I mean, yes, Horton showed that. I mean, on the high end, his ceiling is incredible, but we've always kind of known that. Um but can he do that twice in a row? And then I think the same question in the third game of David Sandlin. I mean, I talked about just a few minutes ago how every other start David Sandlin got, gave you something pretty doggone good. Well, the other side of that coin is that there's a reason why he came into the last, you know, his last start with an ERA of almost six, right? I mean, every other start was also kind of poor. So there is a, a little bit of a coin flip thing there. And the positive for Ole Miss, too, is that because they've been able to use dilution Elliott so extensively, it's not like their bullpen's really in bad shape, right? Like they haven't thrown Josh Mallett's very much. They haven't thrown Brandon Johnson very much. Jack Washburn threw better in, in, in here in the CWS against Arkansas than he's thrown for a lot of the season. So it just feels like they've got, they've they're, they're about in as good a shape as you could possibly be considering they had to play an extra game. So again, if you're Oklahoma, you want that advantage. You love the fact that, you know, you're not going to have to play games with your rotation. Oklahoma knows with 100% certainty who it is starting and what is it what it is doing from a pitching plan perspective this weekend. And you'd always want that advantage. But, you know, Ole Miss is in pretty good shape. Um, and with the way it's playing, at two, as you alluded to, with the way it's playing, like, I think it kind of, bridges that gap more so than I think a lot of other teams could be expected to.
0: The, the other thing is that if Hunter Elliott and Ole Miss are able to win game one, I feel like Oklahoma's advantage kind of goes out the window. Like, yes, they will still have Horton. And again, he'll be on regular rest. And he was so, so good last Sunday, but you know, now you're playing for your season and like Cade Horton's not going to have leash. Like you're, you're going to be into your bullpen probably faster than you normally would be anyway, unless he you know does something like Connor Nolan did, uh, and and Dylan Delucia did in, in an elimination game. So it's just like it's a big advantage on Friday that they have their ace and that Ole Miss has their number two. After that, you know, if Oklahoma wins on Friday, I mean we. It often works out well for the team that wins Game One, although that wasn't true in each of the last two years. Uh, but obviously, you're in a position of strength anyway. Uh, you know, so that would be very good. But I, I I do feel like if Ole Miss breaks that and they they get Game One, um, a lot of this this pitching advantage that Oklahoma is feeling right now does start to really dissipate because you know now now you're in scramble mode anyway and and you're going to have to probably get into your bullpen uh you know just because your season's on the line you don't have time to allow someone to settle into the game we we see this happen all the time here uh in the ncaa tournament or in baseball playoffs in general so i think that's gonna probably i imagine that's a huge talking point already um i do wonder how much it actually is going to end up mattering uh once the finals gets underway
1: It's. I mean, it's. let's not forget, too, just real quick, that, I mean, Oklahoma things, we talked about this in the last episode, things have worked out. Everything has come up Oklahoma in terms of the way it's been able to use its pitchers because Horton and Sandlin were so good. I mean, Trevin Michael has thrown six and two-thirds innings. Other than that, I think it's been like an inning and a third by everyone else. And one of those, a third of that was David Sandlin in a relief appearance that went poorly against Texas A&M. The other inning was Jarrett Godman, um so they really haven't had to deviate at all. So it's kind of easy to forget now that like when Oklahoma has had to deviate from starter plus Trevin Michael equals win, um it hasn't been the most reliable formula. So yeah, In the I middle mean, of it, that Oklahoma
0: bullpen is is gettable.
1: And they there's also just some mystery there like they again we talked about matchups being such that you know, guys not getting used like Oklahoma has some guys they generally like to go to like Chaz Martinez who just haven't thrown at all. And that I guess can be looked at as a good thing where you've got rest, but also you're now looking at guys having not thrown for a while. So there, there is a little bit of variability with that as well. So um, let's not forget that if, if for some reason Ole Miss comes out and just really hits Jake Bennett good um, that's real trouble for Oklahoma because they then, they're probably having to go unless it gets out of hand early enough. They're able to pull the ripcord. They're having to go to Michael for a lot in Game One of the series, and then they're in real trouble, probably.
0: All right, let's uh, let's get a quick break in here, and uh, then we'll come back and uh, talk some more College World Series Finals.
2: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
0: All right, Joe. I feel like uh, you know we 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 hit on the pitching situation. I feel like teams or teams. I feel like our listeners know these offenses. You know they understand that Oklahoma is led by by Payne Graham and Tanner Treadway and you know Tim Elko and you know, Gonzalez and Graham and, and and everyone's doing the the lifting there uh, from an Ole Miss perspective. Defensively, I don't think either one of these teams has a clear advantage. You know, we've already kind of eliminated the best defensive and the worst defensive teams here in Omaha. These are just two teams that play fine defensively. Like they're not, they're not elite, they're not bad. They they are what they are. Um you have two really solid catchers in, in Dunhurst and Crooks. Like you have similar-ish teams. I, I'm sure we could really parse this, but rather than doing that. Let's just look at it this way, Joe. If Oklahoma wins the national title, their first since 1994 and their third ever, how did that
1: come about? And it throws a gem in game one. They get the win there and they win a scrap in game two or game three. I think that is the benefit of Bennett doing what he can do in game one gives them. Yes. It's uh, the big benefit. Of course, is you win the game. Ta-da. Okay. Let's move past that. The other benefit, <laughs> the other benefit of that is that it gives Oklahoma two bites at the apple to try to win a game ugly. If it comes to that, because they can do that, they can win offensive games. And we talk a lot about the, how the pitching sets up. And that's just cause that's kind of how baseball gets, you know, you hear like momentum is only as good as the next day starting pitch. That's just kind of how baseball works is like we the, the pitching sets the tone. But Oklahoma can win ugly games. It has done that. And I think it gets the opportunity with a Bennett win in the first game to have two cracks at winning a game, if it has to, 11 to nine. So, you know, Bennett wins game one for them just with a virtuoso performance. And then it wins one of the next two games kind of in ugly fashion and, and squeaks one out.
0: I think that it is unrealistic to think that you can hold the Ole Miss offense down for two games, you know, for, for two wins. I I do think you're right. I I think they're going to have to win ugly, like as good as Bennett and Horton and Samlin with all three of them have been in Omaha and how good we know they can be particularly Jake Bennett. Like he has the longest track record of being really good. I mean, this Ole Miss offense is one of the better ones in the country. I just don't see I, I don't envision two virtuoso pitching performances to use use your term. And so yeah, I, I I think you're you're probably right that it makes it makes the most sense if like Bennett delivers that and then they grab another one dirty. But but I do think that like maybe they maybe they muddy up game one, like maybe maybe game one somehow becomes the worst pitch game of the finals and Oklahoma comes out on top and and then you know Horton. Throws it uh, really well the next day or something like that. I, I I feel like Oklahoma is going to have to to win an offensive game here if they are going to win the World Series because it, it just is you know the, these two offenses are too good to to ask anyone to, to maintain over eighteen innings that that you that you shut them down twice in in, in three games. All right, so the flip side, Ole Miss wins. It's national wins the national championship, which would be its first in program history. How did they do it? I
1: You're think just gonna say the same
0: uh, thing, aren't you? That that Elliot
1: goes jam. Well, they, I mean and that is ugly. That is kind of the easiest thing to say, but I would actually put it a little more vaguely. I think um, in that I just think for them, it's if the offense kind of returns to the form we know it has because in addition to it being unlikely that they get shut down twice in a row by Oklahoma pitching, like that would be largely three games in a row total. If, if Bennett does what he can do in that first game, because Arkansas pitching the last two days, was fine. Uh, Ole Miss was just, you know, better when it mattered, but they've, you know, they scored five runs against Auburn 13 against Arkansas in the first game. They played them. So there's that, but then they scored two runs and two runs in the games after that and a lot of ground balls in those last couple of games. Um, Now, some of that is good pitching by Arkansas, right? Connor Noland, again, excellent. Um, So I think more vaguely the path for, for Ole Miss is that the offense like very clearly establishes that like we're back, we're feeling good, we're swinging it well. Whether or not they get game one against Bennett, I would just like to see them come out with a little more inspired offensive performance. And I think that would be a good sign because I think if you're telling me this thing is going three, like I like Ole Miss chances better than I do Oklahoma's chances in that situation, because I think they have more, because I I trust their offense to be able to do that. I kind of trust them more to win those types of games. They know they're going to have to try to play those types of games because their pitching is a little bit behind schedule. So I will say their path is more just their offense clicks, either gets to Bennett or doesn't. And if it doesn't gets to, you know, Horton Sandlin and the Oklahoma bullpen after that.
0: Ole Miss pitching has been so good the last three weeks that it just feels like it like it, that doesn't feel like you should be able to bank on it, particularly knowing that Galucha may not pitch in the finals, or at least would be pitching on very short rest in game three. If it, if it gets there that like, that shouldn't be the way Ole Miss wins, but like almost nothing has been the way it should have been in Omaha or throughout the season, frankly. So like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Ole Miss is just going to pitch their way to a national championship. Like weird things happen. Um, it's a, in this tournament, like, Baseball is not a tournament sport, uh, but here we are playing a tournament. And so weird things happen. I, weird things have, have happened the last two years. I, the, the, the team that won game one in each of the last two seasons, maybe three, I just don't remember 2018, uh, did not win the national title. And this year I do feel like game one is pretty critical. Um, you know, in, in other years, sometimes, you know, like what's lurking um, past game one. Uh, but this, you know, maybe it won't be. Maybe maybe it'll matter it, it, differently this year. I, I don't know. But uh, it, I I think that we're in for good finals. You got star power. You got Peyton Graham. You got Jacob Gonzalez. You got Tim Elko. You got Jake Bennett. Like, there's a lot of star power to be had here. You got teams playing really well. You have compelling stories and storylines. You have, you know, Ole Miss looking for its first ever national title. Uh, you've Oklahoma trying to become the first school to win the softball and the baseball national titles in the same year. Like there's there's a lot that you can pin on this, and and I, I think that we're in for uh, for what should be a, a pretty fun weekend of baseball. Um, quickly, Joe, Arkansas, um, you know gets gets to the the final four, as as does uh, who did Oklahoma beat. <laughs> uh, as as does AM, uh, two SEC West teams that had really good seasons. Uh, AM clipped Arkansas for the SEC West title. Who do you feel better about going into next year? Who are you concerned about? And just what what do you view those two as? I, kind of different stories here in that AM, you know, was it was surprising to see him here. Arkansas, nobody's surprised. It was their third trip in four years, and it very easily could have been four straight, but what what do you think now is as those two teams leave Omaha
1: yeah i mean two two teams that are got here very different ways that are now kind of leaving in a similar place both are going to have some rebuilding to do for different reasons arkansas has kind of generational players leaving the program texas a&m really went all in on grad transfers well transfers generally but a lot of them are grad transfers um that now will theoretically be be moving on um I like the trajectory of both. Um, However, I, you know, I guess you're always going to bank on Arkansas, right? They've just proven that they're just going to um, going to get to Omaha. It seems like more often than not at this point. I mean, that the, the one hiccup was last year where they were the number one team in the country and got upset in supers. Right. I mean, uh, it would be, it's an incredible streak as it is, but it would really be impressive if they had had been here in 2021 as well. And uh, you know, had a run of four straight, um, which is, you know, puts them in rarefied air uh, historically. And so, you know, I think you just trust that history. But AM has shown an ability to build on the fly. They're doing it again, by the way. They've already got a number of commitments in the transfer portal. I kind of thought that would be a one-time-and-out deal for AM, but I guess with the results being what they were, I guess there's no reason not to continue to go to that well. So, again, love the trajectory of both. Um, just the Arkansas history is just such that you just assume they're going to be right back, if not in Omaha, in a position to get to Omaha and with AM, um, especially if they go to build through the, the transfer portal again, it'll just be interesting to see if they can have, I don't want to say lightning strike twice, cause there's, it's, there's more science to it, but if they can kind of have that work out so splendidly as it did this year, again,
0: this is the end of an era for Arkansas, presumably, I mean, we don't know precisely how the draft is going to work out, but. You expect Jalen Battles, Robert Moore, Caden Wallace, uh, Connor Noland. You, you expect all of these guys are moving on. This team was not the exact same as last year's team. Like you were obviously missing Cops and Wicklander and Christian Franklin. But there was a lot of similarities between last year's team and this year's team. And it, it feels like pretty much everyone that was involved in that special 2021 season is now going to have moved on um so to be a new thing uh you look offensively this is especially true there there might still be some bullpen pieces who uh, become rotation pieces or stay in the bullpen whatever hanging around from that 21 team uh but you know offensively basically every everyone will have departed from from that team and most will have departed from this team in all likelihood Payton Stovall will return and kendall diggs played a fair amount and he'll be back but it's uh it's gonna look a lot different but yeah this is a team that recruits really well that has gone into the transfer portal themselves and and had success not at the level that a m did in terms of volume but um you know kind of predates that like it predates the one one one-time transfer exemption arkansas's success in the transfer portal you think about what trevor Ezel was able to do for that team and uh, you know a few other guys prior to to the you know when they were mostly just operating off of grad transfers so uh you know I, I like what what arkansas is uh, is bringing to this thing uh moving forward I, I think that they um, you know like you said Joe they're just in a position where they're they're rolling am uh you know kind of you know Jim Schlossnagel certainly had TCU rolling there's no reason to think that coming off of this year there, there won't be momentum. In College Station, I, I think that you know, this is a year that wasn't expected to be at this level. Um, you know, we talked a lot about before the season about how big a variance there could have been for AM. and obviously they hit the they hit the high end of what it could be. Uh, I you know, you're probably going to see fewer gra- you know transfer portal guys, but maybe not. I mean, we'll see. I, I do think that they're eventually going to be able to build more high school players. Uh, certainly being in Texas, but, but right now it's a strategy that, that worked out for them this year. And so, I mean, to your point, Joe, like why not try it again next year?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding at this point, you know, and, and the, the, the number of the hit rate on their transfers too. I mean, that's the thing is like just about everybody they brought in. Now those guys all had track records, so it's not like they were blind guesses, but um, you know, the, the hit rate on the transfers they brought in, was pretty impressive. And so that staff's ability to evaluate who's going to be a good fit now with the benefit of like a little more time, because it's, it's worth noting that, you know, that staff came on so late that they didn't have as much time as they have now to work on putting that together. So um yeah, I mean, run it back if that, if that's going to be a thing that works, I think it'll probably be lesser than it was last year, just given the situation, but it certainly is a, has been a fruitful well. And I wrote about this earlier in the week, everyone Everyone here in Omaha is doing at least a little bit of that Stanford less so than the others, obviously, but everyone's doing a little bit of, of stuff in the transfer portal. And so, um, you know, the, the days of that being like a little bit of a third rail, if you will, where it's um, something that that only certain programs were doing is those days are over. Everybody's everybody's doing it in, in A&M and, and Arkansas, frankly, for that matter, do it seem to be doing it at a level higher than, than a lot of what the rest of college baseball is doing.
0: All right, as we record this on Friday morning, Link Chirrut has been hired away from Notre Dame by Florida State. We're not going to get into that today. Uh, we'll have a coaching changes roundup show probably next week or maybe the week after, and we'll we'll dive into all of that there. But uh, you can read about that over at BaseballAmerica.com, where you can find all of our stories from the College World Series in Omaha and, and beyond, a lot going on. And uh, so, yeah, check all of that out at BaseballAmerica.com can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ted Cahill. Joe is at Joe Healy BA. The next time we hit on this podcast will be next week. There will be a national champion. Uh, we're probably looking at a Tuesday show, but if you subscribe to the Baseball America podcast on your favorite podcasting app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, it'll just get sent right to your phone. So whenever whenever we have a national champion and Joe and I can get on the pod, uh, it'll it'll be right there waiting for you. So until then, Enjoy the College World Series finals, should be a great one. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. For Joe, I'm Teddy. Have a great weekend.